Today's podcast is sponsored by the Reformation Art of Catherine Marchand. Start your collection today at CatherineMarchandArt.com. This is Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. As Christians, I think we ought to think more of a living, reigning Christ, who with wisdom and intelligence and purpose is arranging the affairs of men and nations. Hello and welcome to Theology on the Go. I'm Jonathan Master, joined as always by my friend James Dalzell, and we have another friend on with us today, Peter Van Duduart, who is the pastor of... uh, I'm going to get this wrong, Peter. Uh, it's the OPC Church in Taylors, but it is Community Covenant Community Church. Is that right? You got it. Covenant Community. Covenant Community Church. I should have had that in front of me, but I trusted my memory. Always a bad idea. Peter is here to talk about an article that he just published pretty recently on Reformation 21, and it was called COVID-19 Repentance, a very timely article uh, that brings up a lot of uh, sobering realities that we need to be confronted with when we are faced with this pandemic. So, Peter, thanks for joining us today. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. I wanted to start by just asking you uh, about the genesis of your thinking on this. Obviously, all of us and pastors, perhaps more than many, have been confronted with the the realities of this virus, and it's had a, a significant effect on the lives of many congregations, but were there particular either sources you were reading or or just passages you were reflecting on that made you think about it from this standpoint of repentance? Yeah, I I actually have been preaching through the Minor Prophets a good bit in the evening uh, at Covenant and uh, just finished Joel and Micah. And much on my mind again is, you know, when you read the Minor Prophets is that God acts in history, often in judgment, but with specific purposes to remind us of his sovereignty, uh, to have us turn back to him in faith and repentance so the gospel might be lifted up again. And perhaps it was it was some of that reflection, even in my preaching, regular preaching ministry. And then together with what actually happened in the first weeks of March and on into April, in one sense, in the sweep of, of history, in a strange and unprecedented set of events. And I was thinking especially about the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ and trying to think of anything I could, an analogy I could think of in church history where all of a sudden, within days, the church global seemed to be not assembling. And the, the speed at which uh, governments took action, uh, and of course, nobody knew how bad things would be or what was really happening. But I think it was some reflection on maybe themes in Psalm 42. Think of the psalmist separated from the courts of the Lord. Think of the, the prophets reminding Israel of judgment and what that would mean. It would mean exile from the courts of the Lord. And then suddenly, here we are, the, the whole church, as it were, not meeting regularly in corporate worship. And how significant this is even in history, in the history of the church, even in the, in the plagues, let's just go to the 20th century, but you can go all the farther back, but uh, First World War, Second World War, uh, global conflicts, nothing like this has happened. And 
it made me begin to think about perhaps why uh, this happened. And then maybe a second thing. I, as, a, as Christians, I think we ought to think more of a living, reigning Christ who with wisdom and intelligence and purpose is arranging the affairs of men and nations. And that when we see his hand at work, we should think, I go back to his word and consider what is it that our savior is calling us to. So some of those themes. You know, one of the things that I have thought about with respect to that is the role of pastors in interpreting these things for God's people, because there is a risk, of course, of uh, overthinking we, we understand comprehensively what's happening here, what we're supposed to learn, or what this is a result of. But there's an opposite danger that I think we often fall into, which is in saying, because we can't know comprehensively what God is doing, therefore we say nothing about what what God is doing. And you're right, that cuts against the grain of what we see in scripture and what we're really commanded to, to do. How, how would you, or how did you sort through that tension of not wanting to say, here's exactly what's going on. God's doing this because of the election of, you know, those kinds of really specific readings. And yet saying, no, we're supposed to learn. We're supposed to have our ears open in these cases. Yeah. Yeah, that, that tension is very, was very much on my mind, even as I was writing, thinking, and praying about what was happening. There's the great temptation to try to interpret providence in ways we just don't know. There's secret things that belong to the Lord. But there are categories in what, what is happening and what happened even suddenly then in March um, and continues to happen today that are big categories that the scriptures speak clearly to. One of them perhaps being, well, uh, the ones that were on my mind particularly were the assembly for worship, the preaching of the word, the administration of baptism, and the administration of the Lord's Supper. And uh, when God in his providence, when any believer has been separated from the courts of the Lord, again, if I just flip to Psalm 42, it's one that's on my mind, there's an instinct, there's an instinct in the believer to long for that fellowship assembly, to hear the voice of Christ, to be at his table. And when we're separated from that, it seems to me that it's not necessarily that we can equate some particular sin in the church with some particular providence. But one of the first things we should at least do is be humble. Lord, why? And there's a longing in us to return. There's an understanding that maybe for very good reasons, we can't be assembling the way we were. But Lord, you said that your loving kindness is better than life. Your word is a word of life. The assembling of your people is an instinct, a principle and instinct that is the very beginning of the covenant with Abraham all the way to the end of the redemptive purposes of God. And you are doing things in history that's keeping us from that. Maybe we need to be listening and humble. And that, that would be part of, I think, a, a proper Christian response or response of the church. Again, to objective realities. These things have happened. I'm not trying to interpret, again, the, the election example you gave, specifics. But these broad things have happened in history. And they touch exactly on basic biblical categories of the life of the church. It seems to me to be clear that without despair, 
of the Lord's goodness, but that there should be a humble frame of mind in the church of Jesus Christ. Lord, why have you done these things and what can we learn from your word? Peter, I wonder if uh, in reading, in reading your article, you bring up the uh, really horrible situation of being exiled from the public gathering. Jonathan and I are in education and uh, within two weeks we were required to, and with some success, I think transitioned everything online. And in fact, I found that, um, at least some of my students preferred it that way. You know, sitting at home on the couch with a bowl of ice cream through class was way better than sitting in my classroom, apparently. Yeah. Um, and we can debate whether that's a good educational model or not. I don't think so, but I also don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with it. Is there anything wrong with that uh, for the Christian who is now just saying, hey, that's how, that's how I go to church too. I tune in late morning in my jammies sitting on the couch and, uh, you know, didn't really miss a beat. It's not quite the same, but isn't it amazing? The technology has pretty much duplicated everything for us online. Your article has deep objections uh, to that. I wonder if you could sketch some of why that's the case and why that might be different for the church than even say an educational institution. Yeah. I think there is a fundamental difference between the church and almost any other institution in terms of the principle of gathering. Uh, I think I wrote something to the effect that I am deeply grateful to God for technology that has so wonderfully enabled. In our congregation, we have a number of people that I have a a dear friend who's waiting for open heart surgery. I have uh, an elderly couple with one of whom is severely immune compromised. Uh, Praise God for the mercy of technology that allows them to participate in some way in hearing the preaching of the word and hearing the life of the church and the singing of the church. I'm deeply grateful for it. I think it should be used, but there's just no way that this is a substitute for God's design for the church. In another article I wrote on, uh, can you live stream the Lord's supper? It would be difficult. Uh, imagine trying to pass elements to the screen and hoping that people would take them at the right time. And baptism is another, another issue, how we can't do these things. Um, and then there's bigger questions going all the way back to Leviticus, the convocations in Israel, and then all the way to heaven. I think a live streamed new heavens and a new earth. If you look to Jesus' parable of Lazarus with Abraham, it would actually be more like hell than heaven. Um, we long for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells, where we body and soul together with all God's people and Christ himself uh, enjoy those blessings. So this theological reality of our anthropology, we're creating body and soul to respond to God with, with our whole being and with other embodied souls, with other people. And then, and, and then at the heart of it all is the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ who came in the flesh, and we long to be with him and see him one day. And those impulses uh, run right through our worship and and our final longing. And so to think that you can somehow replicate that with technology, it's impossible. Um, It's a great blessing. We use it. We live stream every week, all of our services. Uh, I thank the Lord for it. But it, it in, in the grand redemptive purposes of God, uh, it's a bad substitute. 
I'm glad you went that way with the answer because your your article kind of provoked in me a thought about this Platonic notion that what we really are as souls, we just happen to be traveling along in these bodies and mercifully one day we'll get out of this materiality, which is just holding us back. And maybe virtual worship, if that's your perspective, might seem like just a step on the way toward the ideal of disembodiment. And uh, I think I suspected that might be your answer, that there is something that there is something inextricably material, not just in what we are as humans, but even in the way that we experience salvation. Thank you for that response. Peter, I have a follow-up. Um, so I think a lot of people who would be listening and who might even be reading your piece on Reformation 21 would, would agree with you. I mean, whether they would have put it all together theologically or just instinctively recognize the loss of not being in church, um, they, they, they feel that. But, but you, you say, okay, because of that feeling and because of, and there's a reality behind that feeling, but because of that, we need to be attentive to repent in certain ways. So maybe you could outline for our listeners um, what are some of the things that the church should be looking at with respect to repentance, given that this is, among many other things that God may be doing, a judgment um, upon the church? You, you have this great line in there where you say, the world didn't lose worship, the church did. The world didn't have worship taken away, the church did. Um, and and that's absolutely right, and that's who you're speaking to. So, So what are some of the things that we really need to take stock of? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. I, uh, just before that line in the article, I, I do pile up a, a number of areas of concern. That's a hard question to answer in terms of, though I did name some names, or I think there's significant problems in the public theology and public ministry of the American church. Uh, I could go on all day about that. I don't want to. Um, God, when he visits us with hard things as believers, we know he's doing it for good, Hebrews chapter 12. We know that in our hardest trials and sadnesses and tears, he's refining and testing and wants to build us up. And I'd start there. Um, So for the church to receive the, and I, I even use strong language about being exiled from the Lord's table. I mean, it's, it's what happened functionally for a couple months, and it's a pretty big thing, I think, to just think about it in the sweep of church history. Whenever we are, Psalm 42, 43 come to mind, when we're separated from the ordinary means of grace, uh, it's a good time to be reflective. First Corinthians 11, Paul says, when you come to the table, examine yourself. Uh, he says in Second Corinthians, test yourselves, examine yourselves, whether or not you be in the faith. These are pretty these are strong commands for self-reflection. So when God brings trial to us without falling into the mistake that maybe it, this has to be a specific trial for a specific sin, we still can have the attitude of humility before God and say, God, what would you have me learn? And I think the church would do uh, well to do that broadly. Again, I could think of state of American evangelicalism, there's all sorts of issues floating around. I don't know if I, again, if you want me to get into some of those, I could, some of my concerns, I do have them. They're listed in the article. I think 
a local church, maybe if I could jump to a local church, have we prized the preaching of the word the way we should? Have I been listening? Have I been hungry to hear? The Lord's table. What a privilege. I'm sitting down and Christ promises his presence. And have I been forgetting that it's not my pastor inviting me to come and sit down with him. He will pass on in the course of history and likely be forgotten. But it's Christ using human instruments to say, come sit at my banqueting table and sit with me. Uh, when the waters of baptism flow, you know, we just had our first baptisms again a few weeks ago. And we haven't had baptisms at the church. And, and then we had again. And then am I watching the, the waters of baptism flow and my eyes and heart being lifted from the sign to the thing signified Christ who promises to wash my sins away. And then if I look li- right and left and I, I can hear other people singing again, we still are socially distanced, but we're in a room with people again. And is this a delight to me? Have I been forgetting? Or a big one for me, perhaps one of the big ones that I would think applied to the whole church is the principle of Sabbath. Uh, am I delighting in a day that God gave his church to delight in him? And when those things are taken away for a little while, my, the, the big question is, have I really been engaging in this with the gratefulness to God who has maybe given them to me for 10 or 20 or 40 years. And I've forgotten that this is how he communicates his goodness to his people. Peter, thanks for your time with us today. And thank you for the article. Um, We often try to get through times like this and almost uh, try our best to ignore them. But what you're saying is, no, pay attention and and think about what God's word says. So thank, thank you for your time today. Thank you for your article. Thank you for your ministry at Covenant Community OPC in Taylor's, South Carolina. So, Peter, thanks. You're welcome. And thank you all. James, I appreciate talking to Peter. He's a model pastor and a careful thinker. I was struck by how carefully and and helpfully i thought he he walked that line between saying this is happening because of and saying you know at the same time we need to be thinking about what we should learn in this circumstance and i i thought i had to challenge myself do i feel particularly the loss of a couple of things communion of the saints Uh, which is supposed to be, as we spoke at the end of the interview, um, supposed to be incarnational. It's supposed to, it's supposed to include, um, you know, people near people communicating and a kind of real presence with each other in body and soul. Um, do I miss that? Um, or am I, am I okay with a kind of, um, virtual contact? And we live in a, I mean, we live in a world where virtual contact is, a lot better than a phone call at 30 cents a minute, you know, like, like it used to be one, you know, long ago, but at the same time, and I have felt this as I, as we sort of reopened and come back into contact with people, I'm realizing how much I actually missed the communion and the presence of others and particularly of my brothers and sisters in Christ. And so this was a challenge of, do you, do we value properly the gathering and the real togetherness of the saints? The other one was, the preaching of the word, that moment, and again, that presence of the preacher, um, we can all, I mean, people download our podcast and hopefully it's edifying, but it's, um, it's a far cry from the real ministry and proclamation of 
of a man set apart by God to be in your presence, looking in your face and proclaiming uh, the gospel and the, and the law to you. The other one was the sacraments. Am I okay going without the administration of the Lord's Supper and the congregation of the church for months on end? And then the question that Peter was getting at, which is, what might we take to heart from the fact that we have been, by no choice of our own, perhaps exiled for a time from the Lord's table? Um, and hopefully the response is that we, we have a renewed valuation of the Lord's Supper and that we even repent of our, of our um, indifference toward it in our lives. Yeah, if it doesn't bother you, that alone should be a cause for real introspection and repentance. If it does, then you need to go another step further, which he does in his article and say, okay, how has it gotten to this place? What, what kind of sins are we guilty of? So I found that, that helpful. And, you know, particularly as we perhaps, uh, it, it's hard to know for sure, but perhaps are moving somewhat out of, of the mode we were in, in in March and April, at least to that extent, we can't forget that. Those are lessons that we want to bear in mind, even as we move forward. Well, we're grateful for all of you who listened to that conversation. We always love hearing feedback from you and interacting with you. And if you know anyone who might be helped by this podcast, please feel free to pass it along. We also would like to give everyone who is interested an audio download. If you go to the placefortruth.org site and then click on the Theology on the Go link, there is a, a series of recordings from the Philadelphia Conference on Reformed Theology in 2014, and it's entitled Profaning the Sacred, the Beauty and Holiness of the Bride of Christ, getting at these issues of the, the glory of Christ's church. And so if you go to the Theology on the Go link, there's a place for you to download those in an MP3 format. If you're able to donate, you can do that at alliancenet.org or placefortruth.org. We need those donations. That's how we're able to do this. And as always, we thank you for listening to Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. Celebrate the heroes of the Reformation with limited edition prints by artist Catherine Marchand. These high-quality prints capture the unique personalities of Martin Luther, Charles Spurgeon, Wycliffe, Calvin, and others. Reproduced on artist top-grade rag paper, these prints will soon become a treasured part of your personal collection. Award-winning artist Catherine Marchand presents Reformation Art. Start your collection today. Purchase prints online at CatherineMarchandArt.com. That's Catherine with a C-M-A-R-C-H-A-N-D. CatherineMarchandArt.com.